9 o'clock. It's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Your chance to get things off your chest, airing of grievances to win a bottle of wonderful Talon Wine. Perfect to have the wine to pair that uh, is whatever you're maybe taking out of the oven, pulling off the grill. Also makes for a lovely gift as well. Or just enjoy it yourself. Anyway, chance to win a bottle of Talon Wine today also. Wrigley Field Colorado Sports Trivia coming up in just a few minutes. Chance to win with that. Uh, before we get to Brian Roth, a couple things we want to get to. Dylan today, want to whine about officiating in the NHL this season as a whole? Don't just mean the abs. Any game you see a call that makes you just go, what? No one talks about it because it's not as popular. It just seems to be getting, as, uh, getting NFL bad from Dylan. From Brian little shout-out to Coach Clement at uh, Vista Peak going up against Palisade tonight, kind of a circle of life. Keenan Clement, star player at Palisade yeah. back in the day for Gary Childress, who went on to coach at Grandview. Um, since he coached and played at Palisade, I love playing for him. Good luck to all the boys playing tonight. Good luck to Fruta, Grand Junction, Central, Palisade, Montrose all playing tonight. Delta boys playing tonight as well. Uh, thank you for that text brian we appreciate that so uh send in your wines today wine about a wednesday 970-242-1340 all right it is time to talk csu rams basketball and csu in general with the voice of the rams brian roth talking csu with the voice of the rams brian roth on the jim davis show and joining us on the team line from you're in new mexico correct brian in the abq all right. It's in the, it's the ABQ. Have you seen Walter White or Jesse uh, down there in Albuquerque today? Oh, no, neither of those two. But Brandon <laughs> to Saul Goodman, though, a little while ago. Oh, really? Really? Did you no, have a legal problem or professionally, two? right? Yeah, yeah hopefully just you, you just saw him, not uh, you weren't there for, <laughs> for an appointment. No. I, by the way, I, I love both those shows. But I, I am, I don't know if I'm the minority or not, but I, I, I like Better Call Saul uh, better. Really? So if that's, yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yep. 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 You get and, and, and now I like it better. I like it much better. So. What? Okay. Why did you? Why do you like? I mean, I like Odin Kirk a lot, but I mean, I'm a huge yeah. Breaking Bad fan. I thought Better sure. Call Saul's okay. I, I didn't like it as much as Breaking Bad. Again, what is it? Just because of Bob Odenkirk and that character that that that, that trumps a, a Walter White in your opinion? Oh, and the, and the new characters that were that were introduced into that, and of course, you obviously you know how it's all going to turn out. So, yeah, you, know, you have that that's hanging over the entire show that looms large, and uh, oh, just you know, just the way that it's shot, everything about it. And uh, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I loved Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was was terrific, but um, I just thought the storylines, the script writing was just uh, just a little more precise sophisticated chip okay sophisticated people like better call salt better non-sophisticated wow. people like <laughs> wow okay i did uh-huh okay i love better call salt the argument is it's easier to write a show when you know exactly how it's going to end before you even start yeah yeah come yeah, on I come mean, on vince gilligan that, come on man yeah it should but, be better literally like everything that they wrote in that show, there was the overtone of what was going to happen, right? I mean, it was like, okay, we know what's going to happen, but everything that's in that thing is completely original 
from you know the first or, or from the from Breaking Bad. So I, anyway, they're they're both great. The the city of Albuquerque gets showcased in, in both of those in both good ways and bad ways. So, but it's always fun to drive around town and see places like oh yeah, that's the place where that happened. This is where that happened. Oh yeah, I remember this place. So. I mean, and you know they have tours there. Did you have time to go take a, like a Breaking Bad Better Call you know, Saul tour? Because I'm sure they do. I've, I've never done. It. I've never done it. No, I should. I haven't done it though. Yeah. Well, maybe the next time you go to Albuquerque, you know that might be something to consider. You got a few. You know, got some downtime. Game preps done. Go uh, go on the Better Call Saul Breaking Bad tour. And I'll work Good on. Idea. And I'll work on trying to be more sophisticated, Brian, by uh, by watching Better Call Saul. <laughs> I'll try. I'll, I will endeavor to reach the the very high bar, sir, that you have set. Jim, it's yes. not your fault. It's okay. No, it's it's my upbringing. It's not my parents' fault. fault. It's their fault. Well, I, they they certainly had a hand in it. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Wow, we're, we're smacking my wow. my poor late parents Jeepers around creepers. here. <laughs> wow, Brian. Boy, you have you you have fully embraced the Albuquerque Better Call Saul Breaking Bad yeah. kind of mindset today. It's, it's like what we like to call a heel turn right there. Wow, wow, Brian Roth, voice of the CSU Rams, uh, joining us on the program today. Uh, before we talk about Rams and Lobos, I have to ask you about Joe Parker. I don't know how much you want to talk about or can talk about Joe Parker, but uh, Joe Parker no longer the the athletic director at Colorado State. Um, I guess. Way, I mean, this this came a little bit, at least for those of us that don't don't have our ear to the ground over in Fort Collins, kind of came out of left field. Uh, he's still going to be involved with the with the athletic department on kind of a consultant basis, but uh, I guess just uh, it was a big surprise that that happened over President's Day, a, a mutual agreement between him and and CSU's president on on him stepping down. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say it was a surprise here too, Jim, and uh, obviously I work. Um, you know, within the, I don't work for the athletic department. I work for Learfield, uh, but you know, I work around the athletic department. Obviously, and I did not, I did not see that coming either. And let me just first say that I, I, I really like Joe Parker. I mean, Joe Parker has been absolutely great to me. I think Joe did a, did a good job uh, in the, you know, the big picture of what he did at Colorado State. Was he perfect? No. Uh, were there some missteps uh, along the way? Yeah. Um, you're judged on the football program. And Joe came in 2015. And last winning season for football was 2017. But uh, he did help shepherd uh, along the construction of the new football stadium. And just a really smart, pragmatic leader is what Joe Parker was. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he did some great things here at Colorado State. But, as you guys know, I mean, when it comes to college athletics for either an athletic director or a head coach, you get close to a decade. That's a long time at, at, at one institution. Um, you, just, you just don't see it all that often. And so, um, you know, Amy Parsons was hired as the new president basically a year ago. And, you know, a lot of times leaders will come in and they will take their time, 12 months, in this case, a full year, and and you evaluate as a new leader of a institution, and you know, running Colorado State University as a president, there's there's a lot to evaluate in university president. I mean, you have so many moving parts and so many people under you, 
But I think Amy Parsons just kind of looks at college athletics and, and the changes, really. There's been more change in the last two years, I think, in college athletics, Jim, than there has been in the last 20 years. Uh, I mean, you know, the previous 20 years. And then, I mean, everything's on an accelerated pace. Everything's volatile right now in college athletics. And maybe perhaps the, the job that Joe Parker got hired to do 10 years ago isn't necessarily the same job today. Uh, if you, I mean, with, again, conference realignment, you look at uh, uh, NIL, uh, you look at just, the, again, the entire landscape of college athletics. So you know, I think Amy Parsons coming in trying to put her stamp on the university and, and looked at it and just, I, I, I think, probably felt that maybe fresh leadership atop the athletic department, uh, you know, was, was was the right play. So, But I, I do want to say that I think Joe Parker is um, uh, highly uh, intelligent and, and a very well-qualified leader. And you know, I certainly have enjoyed working for him the last uh, last decade. And, and I think you're spot on. And the job that Joe Parker was brought in to do, uh, he was a, you know in the athletic department at, at Texas Tech, and he was hired to be the, the Rams AD. Things have changed a lot. Things have changed dramatically. And and certainly I think, though, the, the, the football, the direction of the football program probably was the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back in the case of Joe Parker, where... He was trying to figure out a way to to get this thing back on track uh, after Mike Bobo was there, and then he hired Steve Adazio. I relied on Urban Meyer to to provide some guidance there, and that turned out to be, as, as we know, a absolute disaster on on a lot of different levels. And I think with the hiring of Jay Norvell, it was Jay was going to have to come out of the gate hot, and they were going and it was going to have to be, I think, for Joe Parker, a a like a complete. A complete win that the Jay Norvell, no doubt. Look at this tremendous hire. And I still think Jay is a tremendous hire, and I still think in time it is the right hire and he's the right fit for CSU. But because he didn't win right away, that and they go along with the Steve Adazio situation, it just seemed like those things now with the new a new president, Amy Parsons, that that put him in a really bad spot making those decisions uh and, and the and the lack of success early on for Jay Norvell certainly hurt Joe Parker's status as the athletic director. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. I mean, look, I mean, what, what's the cornerstone, the foundation of a successful athletic department these days? It's, it's successful football. It's just the way it is. football drives everything. And to see Vidazio hire was, a, you're right, Jim. I mean, it, it, it was not good, right? But, you know, the, 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 the Jane Orvell hire, I think, is, is good now will it work out we'll see i mean we're going into year number three and you know this is a massive year for jay norvell and his coaching staff at csu but uh, you know look there's 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 luck involved too in, in hiring coaches at the at the high level at at, at football and, and, and division one basketball because you know there are times when I, I think joe hit it out of the park with jay norvell i think it was a great hire uh does that mean it's guaranteed to work out no, it doesn't mean it's guaranteed to work out. I mean, remember when Scott Frost got hired at, at Nebraska, come from UCF, right? I mean, it was just like, oh, it makes the most sense in the world. There's sure. no question that this thing's that's a home run hire. And of course, you look back on it and say, well, that was a disaster. And so it's you know, there's a little luck that plays into that as well. You make the best decision you can with these coaches with with the resources you have, but. The Adagio one, that definitely did not work in his favor, and the overall success of the football program has not. And and again, I, I, I do think it goes back to, hey, 10 years, 
uh, in the chair, leaving the athletic department. There's such rapid change that um, you know, it's not the same job. And maybe a fresh pair of eyes uh, on the athletic program and, and new ideas, maybe innovative ideas on how you tackle uh, NIL, the collectives, the money, and the changing landscape. It's changed a lot in the last two years, Jim. But that change is uh, only going to continue here in the next coming years, too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which direction she goes. But Amy Parsons, the new president of CSU, she's been everywhere. She is completely 100 uh, percent, I mean, just passionate about this job as a CSU alum. And she is definitely putting her mark on this university. And she is a big proponent of athletics. And she wants to put her mark on the athletic department, too. Voice of CSU Rams, Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network. Uh, one final thing about the athletic director situation, a name that has popped up is you know, he's got ties to, to Colorado State back in the day, Colorado as well, USC, and that's Mike Bone. Though there are the allegations against Mike Bone about, I guess, interactions he had with female colleagues. But but Mike Bone is a name, or somebody like a Mike Bone would certainly be a a great hire for Colorado State. Once again, Bone, with some of the comments that he's made about female colleagues, might take him off that list at this point in time. Uh, that remains to be seen. But but certainly somebody of a, a Mike Bone ilk, if you will, in terms of what he accomplished uh, you know, in, in, his, you know, in his resume and his success at, at a couple of different places, might be the kind of guy that Colorado State's looking for. Yeah, perhaps. Absolutely. That, that certainly could be the... A uh, guy, but I, I would say no, just from the standpoint of baggage. And, yeah, the and allegations so. against him uh, making comments about female colleagues, about their appearance and things like that, yeah, just does not yeah. look good. But, you know, when, when when you look at his experience in athletics, certainly, um, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> you know, uh, guys that, that you look at the resume, and the resume certainly is good in some of the things that he has done over the years. But, uh I'm sorry, I got a maid knocking at my door. Hold on. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. She's bringing the little soaps. Hopefully. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'm just like, they can knock it. And I'm just like. Did you, um, did you get some extra little soaps to take home? You take a little soap? Get the extra little soaps to take home? Apparently. I don't, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> they here, not but, give uh, you the placard? Yeah. And don't you have the do not disturb placard out there for those folks? I mean, they're. But you said I don't come around this early. Like right after I'm getting done with this interview, I'm going down to get a workout in, then going to team meal, then going to shoot around. Uh, usually, I don't need to put out the "do not disturb" sign this early in the morning. I never do. So, but what are you going to do? Maybe they want to jump um, on with us for a few minutes and, and, and talk about got some hot takes about CSU AD. Exactly. Maybe some hot takes about uh, Better Call Saul. I don't know. Maybe they had some thoughts about that. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my complete train of thought. I would say Mike Bone would be a very much a, a, a long shot. Right. Uh, I, I think I think she's looking for somebody certainly that has some uh, experience in collegiate athletics, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be at the top of the list. And I think at the very top of the list is you've got to have somebody that can fundraise at a remarkable level uh, and somebody that's going to be out there and, and engaging and and she, if, if you've seen Amy Parsons at sporting events, she is front and center, front-facing in everything she does. And I think the athletic director at Colorado State, the new hire, is going to be just that, a big-time fundraiser, and, and it's very good in the PR department. 
Brian Roth, CSU Rams play-by-play voice with us today on the team. Uh, Rams are in Albuquerque to take on New Mexico tonight. Uh, right now, New Mexico and Wyoming both 9-4 and four in uh, Mountain West Conference play behind 12-1 and one UNLV. And so for Colorado State that's at 7-7 seven and seven in conference play right now, you look at the, you know, like at Ken Palm and the Rams are 28th uh, in terms of the, the, the Ken Palm numbers. But uh, for the Rams, uh, you know, this is a, obviously a big game on the road tonight taking on uh, the Lobos who are 20-6 and six overall. Yeah, I mean, it's another opportunity, Jim. And, and you know, I, mean, I know we talked last Wednesday coming off that disastrous second half against San Diego State and, and just said, well, whoa, what, what's going on? And it was 20 minutes, and, and it was a bad, abysmal 20 minutes for CSU. But as I mentioned, you know, it wasn't going to hurt them at all. Um, and in particular with what they had coming up, more opportunities to, to pick up quad one win. And then, of course, what the Rams did on Saturday, I mean, they just uh, – took Utah State, who is the top three uh, conference standings, and who beat San Diego State last night, by the way. And they took Utah State behind the woodshed. They probably could have seen CSU shoots the ball well on Saturday. They probably win that game by 30, 30-plus. 30 I mean, it's so crazy to see a team go from only scoring 11 points and, and a half and then to come out and just smack down uh, really a top 25 team in, in, uh, in Utah State. So, look, I mean, tonight's another one of those games. Uh, you know, a loss here tonight at, at, at New Mexico isn't going to hurt you when it comes to the NCAA. A win certainly will help you. I mean, CSU, every bracket I'm looking at has them about at that six line, some at that seven line, but they're but they're right there. And you pick up a win at New Mexico, and that's another marquee win that the selection committee is going to look at. So uh, it's a big time opportunity, and CSU still is in the Mountain West Conference race. And if you are going to win the Mountain West Conference, which the Rams still have a shot at doing, this is a must-win tonight. They go to UNLV on Saturday. That's going to be another must-win. And then you close out the season with two home games uh, and then a road game. And in two of those three games, you're going to be a double-digit favorite. So uh, this is a a massive game when it comes to uh, seeding in the conference tournament and trying to keep your Mountain West Conference hopes alive. Yes, I need to. I, I kind of run burgundy myself. I went to the Mountain West Conference standings, and it popped up the women, and I just started reading that, and I didn't look at that. was the men's standings. You're right. Utah State's 10-4. and four, Boise State's 9-4. and four, uh, Rams and Lobos 8-5 and five right now in conference play. I got I, – I, I can't say I got max prepped because it's not max prep. I got Mountain West by the Mountain West <laughs> website. So uh, to, give, to give the incorrect standings there. But uh, Colorado State right now – Eight and five, along with New Mexico, so a, a huge game tonight, obviously, in Albuquerque between those two. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, it, sure I'm, yeah, I'm sure you've never. You've probably been, uh, as we like to call, it, max prepped around here. It's kind of ex- kind of gone at any time a site gives me some erroneous information or it pops up the wrong thing that you're looking for while you're on there. So that's I got kind of max prepped there. <laughs> I used to use max prep all the time back when I did a high school show at a Comcast in, in Denver for many years. And my max preps, there was no website that I went to more than max preps. And I wish I could have coined that term back in the day. Oh, we got max preps. <laughs> Cause you come up with a number. It's like, wait a minute. That that's not even, that's how is that even on there? Or and it's something inaccurate and you're going, wait a minute. That's what they put on the website. In this case, it was just, it went to the wrong standing. So <laughs> Kids averaging 69 points a game. Holy cow, what? that kid's incredible. 
<laughs> Who is this kid? He should be recruited by every single university in the nation. He should just go to the NBA. Forget about it. Just 69 points per game. Just go to the NBA. Forget about it. Just let him wave, wave him in. Just forget the whole one-year thing. He just gets to go play. And just go. Don't forget the G League. Just He goes to the NBA. 69 points per game. Hey, Brian, I appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on this morning. And, and uh, enjoy the rest of uh, your time in Albuquerque. And maybe next time you'll go on that Better Call Saul Breaking Bad tour. Yes, absolutely. And Jim, just for the record, I think you're very sophisticated. For the record. You you might be the only person that thinks that, Brian, trust me. You're probably the only (laughs) one that that probably thinks that I still enjoy Boone's Farm and and, uh, and Natty Light. So I'm not very very sophisticated. Uh, Awesome. Uh, Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, Brian. Thank you, sir. All right. Brian Roth joining us in the morning. Dang it, I hate that. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, that's not yeah. right. I'm going, oh, that's a, it's a women's standings. No wonder. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Ah. But and, and this is full disclosure. I haven't seen Better Call Saul front to back yet. So there's a lot, I, a lot of that show I haven't seen. But calling it the better show feels a lot like, well, you know, season eight of Game of Thrones is pretty good, actually. It feel, it's got that kind of energy to it. You know what I mean? I don't think season eight of Thrones was particularly as scintillating. No. If you binge it, it all really does make sense. But since you had to wait two years between season seven and eight, you're like, what happened? This is not what I were. This is stupid. But you watch it and you're like, "Uh, okay, I can kind of see how this development happens. How it all comes together. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's particularly great. And and here's my thing. I, I love Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely loved it. And I love Bob Odenkirk in it as Saul. Yes. Saul, Saul, Saul Goodman. Goodman. Saul Good, man. Jimmy, who becomes yep. Saul Goodman. I watched like the first season of Better Call Saul. Man, and I went, it was slow. I'm, and, it, and it totally bored the snot out of yeah. me. And I love Bob Odenkirk. This whole thing is a yeah. travesty and a sham and a mockery. It's a travesty mockery. He was a great writer on The Simpsons for a long time. Yes, he was. Some great characters. Nobody's a really good movie of him being the assassin. Mm-hmm. I've heard that's really good, actually. Yeah, if you get a chance to watch it, it's really, really good. And they definitely set it up for a mm-hmm. sequel, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think Bob Odenkirk, is that what he had, like the heart attack? I think he had the heart yeah, attack. Yeah, he had the heart attack, and they had. Like they put out, you could. He went on a talk show, and he brought film. He's like, you can see it start yeah. right here, because he trained his butt off to be in that. Yeah. And I think one I of the reasons that. I don't go back and watch Better Call Saul is because I know how much I did not like the first season, and I know I have to watch it again to start at, from the very beginning. It's like, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, and I, and I don't know if I can do that. I, I just. I don't know if I can. I did, I, I did not enjoy it the first time. Mm-hmm. As much as I love Breaking Bad, I'm like, I just, yeah. I'm just not into this. And it's like Walking Dead. I just used to love Walking Dead. And I got to the point where, whereas I got very deep into Walking Dead, where I'm like, this is just, this is just boring me now. And I've had that happen a few times where it's, it's weird how you get into a series and you watch it and then you start to lose interest. Or you've watched another series, and this is the spinoff, and you're going, this just isn't as good as mm-hmm. as Breaking Bad was. Well, that's that's still my take on that. Yeah, I might, spinoffs might be are a, usually like that. It might be a very unsophisticated take, but it's my take on it. 
I, I'll take yeah. Breaking Bad any day of the week. I need to song. give it that other chance and then just see for myself. Watch the thing front to back and decide if it really is better. It's like I, I love True Detective, and we just watched the, the latest one with Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. And I love I loved all of them except I haven't watched the second season of it. I think it was Colin Farrell because I heard it was so bad. Now I'm like, okay, I need to probably go watch that because mm-hmm. I never actually watched it. I just listened to others saying, it's terrible. You're not going to like it. I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to waste my time then. Now I feel like I have to go back and not that they're all tied together because right. they're not. It's it's different. It's completely different stories for the most part. But yeah, I I just can't. I, I, I like, like Bob Odenkirk, but man, I just don't know. I don't know. That first season... Just such a drag. It was. It's like watching paint dry. Because I had just finished Breaking Bad. Like I'm gonna watch this show all the way through again. It was the second watch through. I've done one more since with my wife, who loved it. And I'm like, all right, let's go. Better call Saul. Let's see what happens. Then Jimmy McGill just took forever, yes, and his brother, and uh, just let's go. Let's pick up the pace a little bit. It's I mean, like it was the first two episodes of Loki. Super like, deep character oh, development, and, I, and that's and that's and that's fine to a point. Right. I, I want well-defined characters, but well, it was we kind of already know this guy. But we, yeah, we and we get yeah, see it's before mm-hmm. Saul Goodman. It's it, you know it's you know it, it, it's yeah Jimmy and and you're he's still he's an entirely different guy. I think for me it's. I know where this is going. Let's just get here already. Because Saul Goodman is hella entertaining. Jimmy McGill is Jimmy McGill's, a dweeb. He's a dweeby guy that, but then again, it's almost like the he's development a whiny, of dweeby guy. a little bit of Walter White. Yeah. Where, Where's Huel? Come on, Huel. You know, he's he got is? cancer. He's a science teacher. A he's dweeb. got mounting. He's yeah. kind of a nerdy guy that finally kind of like Jimmy McGill finds the inner bad guy in him mm-hmm. and he leans into that guy and embraces that guy and becomes that guy. Yeah. And loves this version of himself more than that previous version. I, it's like he's I, become he's become the guy he's right. supposed to become. And the people who are like Breaking Bad's great. I trust them when they say Better Call Saul's really good too. I just can't get past that first season. Yeah, and I just it's I'm there with so you. I'm, I'm there. And I don't want to start season two because I don't remember m- a lot of the intricacies of season one. I just remember that it was so boring. Yeah, you're reluctant to jump right into season two because, yeah. well, what if I don't really fully get what's mm-hmm. what's going on here? Right, this is boring. Yeah. All right, 927. Let's go ahead and play Wrigley Field Colorado Sports Trivia today. Your chance to win $15 gift certificate to Wrigley Field Grand Junction's original sports bar just east of Sam Saplesio Field. Perfect place to take in the abs and nuggets. Go there before or after a game over at uh, Saplesio or at Stoker. So here's the question. For a Wrigley Field cover sports trivia, who has the lowest DRA for a season in Rockies history? You've got multiple choice for you. Is it Kyle Freeland, Abaldo Jimenez, or Jorge De La Rosa? First correct answer wins once Call again. Back. Yes. So once again, first correct answer uh, on the team line. And if you won the last two weeks, please sit it out. 970-242-1340. Don't forget Wrigley Field. They have the 15-minute lunch guarantee. 
If they don't get your their, your lunch to you in 15 minutes or less, you get it for half price at Wrigley Field. So once again, the question, who has the lowest ERA for a season in Rockies history? This is as a starting pitcher, by the way. This is qualified guys, too. Qualified guys. Kyle Freeland, Abaldo Jimenez, Jorge De La Rosa. First correct answer wins today. It's Wrigley Field, Cutter Sports Trivia, 970-242-1340. They're a lot of fun. Oh. The Jim Davis Show. They're idiots. They're what? On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, Jim and the Buckeye Boy. It's one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Text or call us 970-242-1340. All right. So uh, let's hop into some four-down territory. We're into four-down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, so let's start out with first down. Pat McAfee has now been on ESPN for less than six months, and he's garnered a lot of attention, both good and bad, somehow because of Aaron Rodgers. But... um, it's Steven. mainly the bad attention. Yeah. But he has a colleague that uh, doesn't have a problem with McAfee's no-holds-barred approach, that, that likes him saying what he says and is very candid about his opinions. In an interview with Bustin' with the Boys, his podcast, Stephen A. Smith says he respects McAfee and how the public personas have to differ because of who they are. I love Pat McAfee. Love him to death. I love his swag. I love the fact that he's an honest brother. He doesn't give a crap. That's my kind of dude. That works for me. Now, is he as polished politically as me? Nope, because he has no desire to be number one. And number two, if we're being honest, he's white. I'm black. He doesn't have to. And he doesn't have to be. I had to be. So I get all that, and I'm not knocking him for it. So I, my, my take on that is Stephen A. Smith feels that because he's black that he's had to be more careful about what he's had to say on the air to build his his reputation. I mean, let, feel free to correct me on that. I, Where McAfee's white and he can say what he wants to say because he's going to get a lot of leeway because that he's a white broadcaster. I don't I don't know. Stephen A. said some of the most asinine crap I have ever heard in my entire life. And so I don't really, I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I don't, Mac-B's I don't know had the McAfee's had a lot of public battles with mostly Norby Williamson of, mm-hmm. of ESPN with management. Uh, stood by Aaron Rodgers and made the, the comments about Jimmy Kimmel being connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Those are some of the, I mean, he's had a, he's had a few dust-ups with ESPN management. Or I don't remember that ever being the case necessarily with Stephen A. Smith. I don't know if he's right. I don't know if he's correct about that. Because I also feel that Stephen A. Smith has been pretty vocal about a lot of things over the years. Mm-hmm. And there have been some controversial takes on his part. I don't know if he's right or not. 
but certainly I'll think Stephen A. Smith's a guy that's always been uh, been the shy retiring type, right? And right. Been afraid to say what he thinks about things. At least that's that's a feeling I was, I've always had about Stephen A. Smith. And Stephen also couches it with the I had he has no desire to be number one, which the inference is because the whole the the whole sentence is. Is he as polished politically as me? Nope, because he has no desire to be number one. So that also puts a little bit of it on Stephen A's shoulders because he's inferring that he wants to be number one, right? That McAfee wants to be. No, or that he, they? Stephen A. Smith wants to. He says McAfee doesn't. So that's why he's not necessarily as polished because he doesn't really want well, to be that, the number that, one guy. And, and that organization, who is the number one guy? It's, it's Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. And I'm sure McAfee would like to be that guy. I think sometimes ESPN, I think probably Stephen A. feels like they treat McAfee like he might be that guy. Mm-hmm. Though it's not like ESPN's treated Stephen A. Smith poorly. No. In terms of compensation or exposure Look or anything the zeros like that. in his bank account. He's been treated just fine. All right, so the Boston Red Sox, this is the second down, are said to be featuring a season-long documentary that's going to air on Netflix. And they're going to suck. It's uh, Major League Baseball's equivalent of hard knocks. And so, Rafael Devers. Devers or Devers? I always... Devers. It's Devers, thank you. Got it right the first time. Yep. That uh, Rafael Devers isn't uh, exactly um, thrilled about it. He's not super hyped. Devers is asked who will star in the Netflix documentary. Devers responded, not me. <laughs> Says nobody wants to be on Netflix as a losing team. That's a bad look. Everyone in this organization wants to win, but they, the Red Sox front office needs to make an adjustment to help us players to be in a better position to win. So he's not exactly stoked about the whole Netflix thing, and I can't say that I blame him. Yeah, he's not not super hyped for that. Uh we keep it kind of Red Sox adjacent for third down. I had this for sound check. We didn't get to sound check, so we had a fully loaded first hour. We talked to Anthony Rendon yesterday. Well, former teammate, former Red Sox, a former teammate with the Nationals. Jonathan Papelbon was on, I believe it was a John Lester, maybe, podcast. I don't Guy looked familiar. I didn't bother to look it up. I just grabbed the sound and went with it from there. And he kind of goes in on Anthony Rendon a little bit. I used to watch everybody, you know, because being a closer, you know, you're, you're the last one in the training room. So I would always watch guys as they would come and go, and I would tell them, I said, he ready? No, that dude ain't ready. He ain't ready today. And I could almost predict to you, like, how that game was going to go based on each player. And every single day this guy shows up to go out, it was like a chore. And he strictly got away with just raw athleticism and raw talent. Now, you can do that. But there's a reason why he's not as successful as he really truly could be because he's got more God-given talent than probably all three of us sitting here talking. But at the end of the day, he don't give a shit. So when, when, when you put those two together, it's a bad recipe for me, man. If I'm the Angels GM, I'm trying to get rid of this dude as fast as I can. I knew that, like, when he became a free agent, because I think two years after I played with him, I was like, man, whoever gets that dude is going to get totally whamboozled. 
which is not a word, but I appreciate Jonathan Pappelbaum's opinion. I like it. I think I think Wamboozle needs to be yeah. part of our uh, lexicon. Absolutely. Our lexicon, yes, part of our vocabulary. Now, Pappelbaum has had issues with teammates up and down the eastern seaboard. None of it because he's a liar. So, walking a little, little bit off the Rendon thing, like he can have baseball as his job. That's still fine, but. If you don't care, like Papelbon accuses, then we start to have a problem. It can be your number four priority in life. I'm fine with that. Sure. But if you don't care about your job, then all the people trying to row in the same direction as you, you're doing all of them. Then themselves. you need to go to another boat where they think they can Maybe convince, you, convince you to row. Yeah. yeah. It's just a kayak. A kayak. You're by but yourself. It's kind of tough to go play baseball just by yourself. I mean, he's not playing a whole lot of baseball now. That's so. true. So you might as well just go keep doing yeah. what he's been doing, which is Rowing constantly in, in rehabbing. In infinity pool or something. Uh, also, there was some news yesterday. The college football playoff format is changed. It's, we knew this was going to happen. They this approved it yesterday. Yep. They went from a six plus six designed to give one spot to each power five champion and then a guaranteed spot to the best group of five champion, and then six at largest, or at large. I don't know which one is right. They changed it to a five plus seven model because there's really only four power conferences. No offense, Washington State, Oregon State. Uh, Was I hired a new uh, new commissioner? Because they fired George Klevikoff (laughs) only 18 months too late. And so the new playoff format is going to be five plus seven. The group of four, or the power four, conference champions and the best group of five champion get an automatic berth into the playoff field with seven at large or at largest. So by the way, at that meeting on yesterday that Washington state and Oregon state, um, they continued the, the, the request to continued power five revenue and voting rights in the new CFP contract. And so for the next two years, the remainder of the CFP current 12 year contract both schools will get uh, continue to get uh, their full Power Five revenue distribution, which is five to six million bucks per school. It's not nothing. I and you know what? I don't have a problem with them claiming that it's not their fault that, that it fell apart. Everybody else left the conference. <laughs> you know, they didn't do anything. They stayed put, and now it's like, now you don't get that money. It's like, what do you mean? We didn't leave our conference. We stayed. Our conference left us one team at a time for six weeks. And we're the ones that were committed yeah. to staying. We stayed, and we're trying to refill it. And so we need to continue to get the money that we were promised yeah. when we were part of a 12-team conference. Agreed. All right, 942. Uh, do we have a winner, by the way, for Wrigley Field Colorado Trivia? We do. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. The guru first in the door with Kyle Freeland has the lowest single-season ERA in Rockies franchise history. 2.85, by the way. So I was looking at that. 2018, you can understand why the Rockies were a playoff team because they set set the lowest and the eighth lowest ERAs by starters in the same season. With Herman Marquez going 3.77. That's been bested twice. Herman did it in 2020. 
And Antonio Santatella did it in 2020. Four of the top 10 ERA seasons in Rockies starter history has been in the last six years. What is it? Yep. Yeah. I was to tell you when they when they have good pitching, mm-hmm. they play better, and they tend to be a playoff mm-hmm. team or at least a contender. Antonio Sensatella is on this list of the top ten. Jolice Chasin is in this list twice in the top ten. Ubaldo Jimenez twice in the top ten. All pretty pretty good yeah. arms during their time with the, the outlier. Joe Kennedy, yeah, three point six six twenty years ago. 2004. Joe, Joe Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, you're like, what? Like, I for, one of these guys is not I, like the other. I forgot that he even pitched for the Rockies. So did I. All right. So uh, congratulations once again to the guru today. Mm-hmm. And text or call us, 970-242-1340. Uh, still time to get your wines in for Wine About a Wednesday. Let's uh, check that out very quickly before we take a break. Uh, let's see. You've got Eric and Cedar Edge. My wine for this Wednesday is the... Talk about the Bears selecting Caleb Williams at the number one pick. Why? We have never been down this road before. Please select Marvin Harrison Jr. to line up across the field from DJ Moore. This will create opportunities. Then use the number nine pick on the best offensive lineman available. Justin Fields showed some nice potential with very few weapons this year. Didn't think he's right about that. I agree, yeah. Imagine what you could do if you're the Bears if you get Justin Fields... Two offensive linemen, a wide receiver, and a defense. All right, 944. It's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, 1931, the first Major League night game. The Chicago White Sox play the New York Giants in a 10-inning exhibition. Not in Chicago. Not in New York. They play it in Houston. Oh, naturally. Yeah. I mean, it's right between the two. Yeah, of course. It's on the way. Might as well meet halfway. Let's just yeah, go to Houston. Why not? A little baseball game. 1952, the Boston Celtics and the Fort Wayne Pistons tip off at midnight in a Milkman special after an Ice Follies performance at Boston Garden. Bob Cousy for the Celtics scores 24 points before 2,368 fans and an 88-67 win. Yes, they played at midnight. How about some uh, very dedicated Celtics fans yeah. going to that one? It's where Adam Silver needs to read a book. People are upset about the All-Star game. The finals in the early 80s was on tape delay. So <laughs> you've come a ways. You should probably just be yeah. okay with it for no, a year I, two. I'm watching up here Mad Dog still upset about the lack of effort in the NBA All-Star game. Hey, uh, Chris Russo. Have you, have you never watched an NBA All-Star game before, my man? Not known for incredible effort. Right. You watched the Knicks for the last 40 <laughs> years. What are you mad about the All-Star I'm game I'm mad for? about it. They, they, they weren't trying. Uh, let's see, 1971 final one. Pete Maravich of LSU scores 64 points in a 121 to 105 loss to Kentucky. Dan Issel scores 51 for the Wildcats. The horse, scored- of course. Pete scored 41, you said? 64. 64, and they still lost by 20. Yes. To Dan Issel, at 51. All right, 946. We'll take a break, wrap it up with some garbage time. That's on the way on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. It's your morning sports and more. It's the Jim Davis Show on the Team. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to 949. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Don't forget tonight we'll have full court coverage of the Boys State Basketball Tournament. Starts at 5.30, 6 o'clock for the Monument Boys. Tip it off against Highlands Ranch, followed by the Grand Junction Boys in Denver North at 7 o'clock. Plus a uh, live listen in on the Delta Boys at Pagosa Springs tonight. And we'll have updates on uh, Palisade and Central tonight as well. Plus over on the Monkey, 93.5 in Montrose. Montrose boys basketball team takes on Harrison. Pre-game for that one at 545. So it's time to open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. I remember we talked a while back uh, about the... Uh, the plan with uh, Disney, Fox, Warner Brothers, yeah, and their their streaming platform they're going to roll out. Yep. Fubo TV mm-hmm. is suing them in uh, Southern District of New York that uh, Fubo, which has been doing streaming business since 2015, alleges that the companies have engaged in a campaign that has resulted in suppressed competition and the U.S. sports focused streaming market causing harm to Fubo TV and its customers and companies. Uh, the latest joint venture will continue to suppress competition by those entities all coming together. I mean, practically, they're right. I don't know if legally they're going to win this thing because, you know, you have Disney on one side and you're on the other. Practically, they're right, though. I mean, yeah, it is kind of a... All right, let's put all of our stuff under one umbrella and then we'll take it all the off of these other carriers and make people come pay us to stream this instead of paying Fubo to pay us to stream at a lower rate. Right, it's in a, according to this uh, suit, it, it'll it'll freeze out streaming competitors and incentivize them to not offer premium content to Fubo yep. and others. There you go. That's the crux or one of the cruxes of their And again, their argument. They're right. They're right about it. Will uh, they win? I don't, yeah. I don't know about that. I'm watching Hot Stove on MLB Network because football season's over. It's time for baseball. Steve Phillips is yoked. He's ripped. Like He's got a hoodie on, but you can tell. Pecs, arms, lats. He's taking Bobby Bonilla Day personally, and he's ready to fight people one-on-one, it looks like. He has a lot I of time to do over. that. I've only heard Steve because he does podcasts and shows and whatnot. He's got really great content. I like him. He's kind of a... Charming dad joke guy. I always found him entertaining. I looked over at the screen this morning. That guy's ripped. He's ready to throw down over Bonilla Day, I think. <laughs> he's finally tired of it. 23 years later, he's finally had enough with Bobby Bonilla Day. He's ready to fight anybody yeah. today on that whole thing. He's got another 12 years, too. So Good deal, Steve. <laughs> but I'm going to say that quietly because he looks like he could rip my arm off and beat me with it. He's, right now, so. He looks like uh, he's put some time in at the gym. Yeah, no doubt not, about that. And that's not a natural tan either, but he's ripped. So Now, he might take exception with that. He's very bronze. He is very bronze. So, uh, Jay Billis, of course, uh, ESPN college basketball analyst. He uh, was on the Rich Eisen Show, which you can hear weekday afternoons at 4 o'clock mm-hmm. here on the team. Billis argued the transfer portal allows big shot players from smaller conferences to shine. Uh, he talked about Tennessee star player Dalton Connect as an example. Yeah. Bill submits that he only knows Connect at Northern Colorado because he was scouting an NBA prospect on the opposing team. Mm-hmm. At Tennessee, where he's become the conference's best player and a lottery pick. And then Billis says without the transfer portal, Connect 
talent might have gone unnoticed if he continued to play at Northern Colorado on the big sky. And he's right, too, and I've heard him tell that story a couple times because Connect has been really good for the Volunteers this season. He's going to be a lottery pick. And Jay's right. He would kind of languish in Greeley, or he'd have to sit out a year. You have no idea what that does to your momentum or your draft stock to transfer. And the portal allowed him to pop out of there. And I've heard him, and it's really... It's a neat story, one, because it's a Northern Colorado thing, and two, it's like Jay Billis popped in, and he's like, oh, this guy's interesting. All right. And then he remembers him later when he's at Tennessee because he was scouting other guys. And so you have a lot of coaches that are crying, oh, it's disloyal, and it's it's transactional relationships now in the transfer portal era. And we've said this, and then Jay Billis brought this up on mm-hmm. Rich Eisen, that the portal benefits players. Coaches don't have to sit out a year. Coaches no. can leave whenever they want to. Yeah, they have to maybe buy out their contract, but somebody's always willing, you know, the boosters of another institution willing mm-hmm. to buy out the contract where the case may be, that coaches are allowed to leave whenever they want to. Yep. And that's, by some people, their their opinion, that's not considered transactional. That's just, no. just to getting a better opportunity. It's part so, of the business. So the players aren't allowed a better opportunity for themselves mm-hmm. to go showcase their talents? No, they're not. Because they committed to the university because the coach didn't with his contract. Do we agree that name, image, likeness and the transfer portal have had? It's It's been a little bit of a uncontrolled, maybe out-of-control situation at mm-hmm. times. But the essence of both entities are necessary and, and, and need to be part of college athletics. I think it's a net positive. Exactly. You can't have coaches that leave whenever they want to for a better deal and tell the players, oh, you got to stay here. You committed yep. to fill in the blank. Seems ridiculous. And that's our show. Jim Rome's coming up next. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.